everyone. My name is Maria Thomas, and I work for Allianz Research, the global team of economists, strategists, sector advisors, and foresight experts of the Allianz Group, led by Ludovic Subron. Welcome to Tomorrow, a podcast where we'll be talking about our latest analyses of economic and capital market developments, as well as our views on trends affecting risk management. Let's get started. The invasion of Ukraine is pushing Europe's already high energy prices even higher. In this episode, we find out what that will mean for households and companies in 2022 with Anna Boata, Head of Economic Research at Allianz Trade, and Anu Kuhanitin, Head of Corporate Research. Hello, Anna and Anu. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Maria. Hi, Maria. Thanks for having us. So the invasion of Ukraine seems to be propelling Europe's already high energy prices even higher. How bad do you think the situation could get in 2022? And you know, how long do you expect it to last? Actually, Maria, the, uh, the, the energy prices and the, the energy market was already tense before the, the war in Ukraine. We were already facing some, some supply-demand mismatch as demand was, was still strong. With the with the pent up demand going out of out of COVID and uh, with supply a bit lagging, so and that was true on on the oil side, but that was also true on the natural gas side for uh, for Europe. So everything that has unfolded since uh, the end of February has only exacerbated uh, the, the mismatch that we saw uh, on, on the market. The good news is that supply should normalize. And eventually, price tensions would uh, will, will decrease. The bad news, or at least the the uncertain part, is that we don't know when exactly. The the other oil producing uh, countries have the capacity to ramp up production, uh, but it's going to take some time. Uh, and also, uh, we will have to uh, to to find, uh, especially for gas, a new new infrastructure and new routes, uh, so that uh, so that. The European countries can um, can substitute for uh, for Russian supply. So uh, overall, uh, the market should somehow uh, get back to a to a better uh, matching of, of supply and demand. But uh, that sh- that's going to uh, to take a while, and and we don't see uh, tension decreasing uh, as of as of this year. So, what does this mean for households in terms of their energy bills? Well, it's uh, it's clear, right? It's it's a further increase from already uh, quite significant increases in 2021, as Anna was pointing out. And clearly, we can expect uh, at least 30% of increase in the energy bill uh, for households in Europe uh, in general, right? It's an average on 2022, uh, but it can go even beyond, right? Plus 70% if you really think of an adverse scenario. Uh, and that means that indeed uh, the bill would be much more expensive. The share of uh, of the income that the households will pay will be much higher. So prior to the crisis, we do talk about eight percent of uh, of that for Germany, seven percent for uh, the UK. So this is this is already high. Five uh, percent in France, for example, but. Clearly, the coping mechanism will be important because uh, not only we do talk about energy inflation, but we do have higher inflation also in other for other goods. And with that, uh, real purchasing power for households uh, will decrease for the first time uh, since 2012, right? Since the the previous uh, uh, crisis, uh, and and clearly uh, that's something that can last until 2023 if we take into account the fact that the 
energy inflation is here to stay for longer. Uh, so that means that on average, of course, uh, compared to the pre-war situation, uh, an average household in the UK, in Germany, would lose uh, 2 to 1.5 uh, percentage points of disposable income, right? Uh, so that means, indeed, uh, if you don't compensate for these losses, uh, that these households would uh, would consume less, right, in in uh, in terms of uh, expect, and it will be less confident in terms of expectations. And so, it's it's the households that in the UK and Germany that you expect to be the worst hit. Yeah, clearly in the in the UK and in Germany, uh, the cost of the energy bill is much higher. Uh, as, as I was saying, because also it was already the case before the crisis, given that the energy prices are are much higher for the consumer, uh, and and. Of course, if we also look at the share of the energy bill for the lowest income households, this is where the the cost will be uh, highest. So we do talk uh, uh, about uh, a loss that could be beyond three percentage points, three to four percentage points for for the lowest income households in the UK or in Germany, uh, and clearly that's that's at least the double uh, that we can expect in France. And so as as you mentioned before, higher energy prices also pose a problem for companies, right? So maybe, Anu, can you tell us if there are some sectors in particular that you're worried about? So you're absolutely right, Maria. The uh, All sectors are not um, are not impacted the same way uh, through, through this crisis. Uh, so you have some sectors which are very, very uh, energy intensive. Uh, we can think uh, obviously about the power sector, uh, but also other sectors such as the metal sectors or, or the transportation sector. So uh, some sectors are definitely going to see their their energy bill uh, increase. Um, the, the big question uh, from there for, for those sectors is, um, are they able to uh, to pass on these uh, higher costs to, to their ultimate clients? And, and from that point of view, uh, we feel that the sectors such as the metal sectors or the power sectors are, are particularly at risk uh, because those sectors uh, may not have the same pricing power as uh, as the sea transportation, for example, uh, and they might uh, run into uh, profitability issues uh, if prices remain elevated or if they uh, increase further. And so what does this mean for, for policymakers? How can they respond to this situation? Well, policymakers uh, have have been acting already uh, in the second half of 2021, if we think about France, uh, even a bit later, uh, if we think about the UK, in the middle, Italy, so Spain. So there have been several waves of, of support, uh, be it uh, through uh, cap in prices, through reduction in indirect taxes, or even uh, direct checks, um, what we call inflation checks. So there has been support. Now, of course, uh, the further increase in energy prices is uh, is going uh, much above in terms of impact, as we we discussed. And the governments have extended this uh, support uh, at least to the middle of this year, in some cases, if we take uh, Spain, for example. Uh, but until autumn, if we take the UK or, or France, um, even Germany is thinking of reducing further some of the taxes, uh, very specific indirect taxes uh, that the consumers are paying uh, to zero for the remaining of the year. So there is a lot of action uh, to compensate for this loss of uh, income. Now, the problem, of course, is that it's not very targeted. 
so economies don't really like this kind of measures. <laughs> uh, but what's for sure is that uh, it, it does bring support uh, to, to households in an environment where, again, we were talking about the lowest income. Uh, and we do know that after the COVID crisis, we talked a lot and we praised the excess savings. But these households, and even up to the the, the third quantile of, of, of revenues, right, the, up to the average household, the save the excess savings that they had uh, were almost uh, used or even used uh, since 2021. So we can't count on these buffers. So this is why it was important. It would have been very important and still is to target these measures towards those households that really don't have uh, the financial capacity to withstand the increase in the energy bill. Uh, so overall, uh, again, a lot of support. So on average, uh, 0.6 um, of, of GDP in terms of household support, direct and indirect household support. Uh, it could go beyond, of course. It could go even beyond 1.5. Uh, but something needs to be left right also for corporates and, and Anna will explain us uh, probably more, but, uh, but clearly if we compare that with the COVID year, it, what we have spent during those years was around 2% of GDP. So you can't spend only on compensating for, uh, for the energy bill. Uh, but clearly, if we think about, again, this adverse scenario, how much it could cost, uh, we, we do uh, see an increase of the energy bill in Germany, uh, almost 90 billion euro, uh, more than 50 billion euro in the UK. So we do talk about, again, almost 2% of GDP. So if we really want to compensate it all, this is the cost. But again, uh, we don't think it's something that should be done, uh, especially in an environment of, of energy transition that we are preparing uh, also and accelerate because of the crisis. Moving to 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 corporates and and, and the sector aspect of um, of of the policy making, uh, unlike unlike COVID and as as Anna outlined, the, the the main concern or the main risk is due to uh, to to an increase in 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 the energy bill for for companies. Um, so far, uh, most governments have been mostly concerned about about protecting households. Which is, uh, which is the top priority. Uh, but some governments, uh, already, uh, made some, uh, some adjustments and, and some policy measure, uh, that also, uh, benefits for, uh, for, for corporates. So if you, if you think, for example, about, uh, Germany or even Italy, where there has been a reduction in taxes for, uh, the distribution of electricity, uh, that's something that benefits both to, to, to household and, and companies. Uh, obviously that's, that's not compensating, uh, the, the, the full increase. Uh, but there, that's already, uh, that's already some, uh, some minor support. Uh, in France, the, the electricity price gap is, is also for, um, for, for corporates. And there's also a package, uh, that has been, that has been discussed to, to help, uh, energy intensive, uh, companies. So, uh, there, there are, uh, some, some some policy uh, support um, the because of the the, the the support that has been already uh, implemented during during covid uh, the, uh, the 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 magnitude uh, is would probably be a bit um, a bit less than uh, than what some corporates would expect but there should be some uh, and the uh, and the other thing that we uh, that we need to keep in mind is that so far 
policymakers have not discussed any measure to uh, to compensate export losses. So, uh, for for companies that were making business in uh, in in Russia or or in or in Ukraine, uh, so far uh, no European governments uh, had had put up a plan or or discussed a, any support to to compensate those, those export losses. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Anna and Anu. Thank you, Maria. Thank you, Maria. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the full report we just spoke about on our website. We'll leave a link in the show notes. If you'd like to discover more of our research, you can also follow the Ludonomics newsletter on LinkedIn. We'll leave a link down below for that too. If you like the podcast, please send it to any of your friends who might like it too, and leave us a rating and a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. In the meantime, stay tuned for the next episode.